kicking in. I want to thank you for being here, and I want to thank all those that are tuning in over WNPC and watching on Facebook. Um, I wanted to spend some time talking um, about something that we've been focusing on with the leadership for really intensely the past couple months, and for myself and a few key leaders for the past year, really. We have uh, been working on how can we be good stewards here of Calvary, what what, what is this going, what, what does Jesus want this church to look like? And that's the first thing we talked about um, not too long ago in a leadership meeting. We asked this question. We gave out a card that said, what do you want the church to look like in three years? Uh, we also said, what do you want it to look like in 10 years? And some of them said, we're not sure if we're going to be around in 10 years, uh, or at least serving on the board anyway. But what do you want the church to look like in three years? And as we went through some of those answers, there were some things that are going to be pretty clear, pretty clear, pretty obvious to some of us. Um, one that came through that we need to work on. Discipleship. The Lord did not call us to make converts. The Lord called us to make disciples. And so when we uh, come to the church, we should be disciples being made. Um, it was mentioned in one of the responses back that we want to be a church that is reaching all generations. And everybody says that, um, but that is really the challenge. And I think that challenge part of it will come through uh, throughout our time tonight, um, every generation. Because a lot of churches, in fact, if you travel around and visit different churches, you'll see some churches that look very much like all one age group and go to another church and it might look like another age group. And if we want to have a church that has all generations in it, that causes tension sometimes. And we have to remember who the real enemy is when we get into some of that tension. And then um, we talked about methods a little bit. Whoops. Methods. Once we start to talk about the church and how can we grow and how can we be healthy, the ideas can just start to flow. We're going to talk about the ideas flowing um, in just a little bit. The ideas, everybody has ideas. I'll bet if we gave you a piece of paper and a pencil right now, you guys could give us 10 ideas each of what maybe we should try to help Calvary, to grow our people and to grow also numerically, uh, to reach people for Christ. So the ideas are all over the place. We've been walking through this as, as a leadership, and one thing that I did about six months ago when I wanted to see growth in our church was I did a study of the book of Acts. I have one pastoral friend, and he um, used to read through Acts every month. He would read through one chapter a day in Acts, and um, it works out almost perfectly. Uh, and he would read through Acts, and the reason was because he got so excited. He just got so pumped up from reading Acts. But when I read through the book of Acts, I took note of every time we find prayer come up. And I started to list here all the references that I wrote down in my own personal study. Um, I can show you the rest of them. I got up to chapter 11 and then just put et cetera uh, down here. Um, prayer is all throughout the book of Acts. If something is going to happen at Calvary, prayer has to be the heart of it. It has to be throughout it and it has to be afterwards. Prayer needs to be something that we are constantly focusing on. But let's go ahead and talk about this one right here, uh, tension. 
I, I'm not an expert on it, but I oftentimes say that having a, a multi-generational church is the hardest kind of church to have. I was calling it a three-generational church, and one of our leaders said, you got more than three in here. And if we want to be a church in 30 years, we obviously have to you know, reach um, families that are younger. Some of the people that are choosing not to go to church, we have to let them know Calvary cares about them and that they should be in church. One of the things that's driving a, a lot of what we're doing is not trying to get results from guilt. In fact, if you walk in my office, you'll see a lot of vision work. A lot of these papers came off the walls from my bulletin board, but there's a big sign on my office wall that says guilt, and there's a big slash right through it. You can get results, results from guilt. We really can. I mean, I can guilt somebody into coming, right? Um, a lot of mothers will guilt their kids into coming on Mother's Day uh, for a, a time, but guilt is the low-hanging fruit, and it's not lasting, and that's hard for me. I can remember after I put that up and I was getting ready to preach a sermon and man, I was gonna lay it on everybody as far as the guilt goes and I had to stop. And I said, that might bring some short-term results. But if people really are gonna do something long-term, they have to do it because they want to, right? You do it because you love God or you love your church. So when we look at the tension that comes up, there are certain areas where the enemy will attack. And who is the real enemy? It's not junior hires, I promise you. Some people think that. Uh, it's not uh, old curmudgeons in the church. Who is the real enemy? You guys know who it is, right? Yes, Satan. The devil is the real enemy. As I've had opportunity to observe evangelistic speakers and even um, ebbs and flows in churches, there are two areas that I have observed that the devil will commonly attack and that an, an evangelist can kind of preach on and always get a big result from. Two areas the devil hates to see going well in the church. One of them is the area of evangelism. The devil hates losing some that he has coming to his place for eternity, hell. The other place is this one here. Prayer. The, our real enemy does not want us to be a praying church. And is that just a line that we say we're a praying church? What does that mean? Prayer is going to be at the heart of uh, everything that we do as we move forward. But the devil will, and I consider, I've read the end. I know who wins. Do we all know who wins in the end? If you're through Revelation, who wins in the end? God wins. We're part of his family. We win. We understand that. In the meantime, I think of what's going on right now as a chess match. So we work on something to, for evangelism, or we work on something to get prayer going, and the devil will see that. And if we're being successful at these things, he's going to get in and make a move in the chess match, and he's going to do something to knock that out. And that's why persistence and creativity are going to be important on our part. The real enemy hates these two things. And so I want you to keep um, that in mind and then this next section here uh, was what we, how we advertised the talk. It's felt a little dry. It's felt like we need to get something going. And so when it feels like you need to get something going, we just start the ideas. 
Some of you probably have some great ideas of what we might be able to do, and I'm sure you do. But the ideas started flowing. So, and I'm not exaggerating when I say lots of ideas. So we've talked with our, you know, leadership. Here's an idea about a youth evangelistic outreach. Um, I hope I remember to talk about this before we close tonight. We want to have an evangelistic effort. Now, our goal is to plant the seed of the gospel. That's what we're required to do and told to do. God's the one that gives the increase. So if we see people, young people get saved at that point, that's a blessing. Maybe they'll get saved in 10 years. We don't know. But I do know what our responsibility is, and that is to be faithful in planting the gospel. As soon as this went up on my wall, would you care to guess who, I think, (laughs) jumped all over that? I can tell you 18 different problems with this. I've been told you can't do that. We can't do this. We can't do this. This won't work. Don't do that. And as we've talked just in in a few small groups about this, it seems so hard, like maybe we should just drop it. You know, what, this, is, this, is, this is rough. We're not going to drop it. We're not going to do that. We're just going to uh, go forward, do our best, be faithful, trust God for the increase, and next time we'll do it better. Uh, we will do our best. To, so we're making effort. We're spending some money. Uh, Nathan's got teenagers excited. Some of them are inviting their friends to come to this activity. And we want to see people uh, come to Jesus Christ. Other ideas. I didn't come here to talk to you about the ideas. I grabbed these last minute just to let you know what's been going on. The retention of visitors. Um, and one of our ABF groups jumped all over this. They said, you know, why don't we put together a coffee cart and why don't we grab people that look new and then we will, uh, you know, invite them. And it's been a huge blessing. Um, if anybody's bored, it's not going to, th- this isn't going to help you. So, I mean, all these ideas. So I come away with all these ideas that I've had for years and years, but now we're taking them and putting them on paper and throwing them up. I know you guys can't read that. Building signage is what that says. And so, uh, Lapeer Days are touched into the community there. Uh, Replace the visitor bags with a different kind of uh, way to get Connect cards back. Uh, Staffing, times one, times two. This takes a lot of time. It's exciting, One of our leaders after our meeting this past Tuesday said, you seem like you're kind of excited about this, is what he said. And I said, I am. It's it's exciting to do this, but it can get a little bit daunting. And there was a problem. Do you see the frowny face up there? There was a problem because we started throwing all these ideas out. And um, we have the chairman of our deacons, chairman of our trustees, both have good business experience. And we were putting the cart before the horse a little bit. It's not bad to have ideas, you know, the old expression, don't just stand there, do something. We, we get that. But we realized very quickly that before the ideas really come out, we need to have mission. We need to have a mission statement. We need to know just one succinct statement of what um, we are about. And once we have that short, succinct statement, what's going to happen is we are going to determine from that how to make our mission work. We are going to have Values. So values can be different. The mission statement in a lot of churches might look the same, but the values will be unique to the congregation, to the community, to the church, and to the calendar, the day that we live in. 
So there are some things that uh, we have discussed to be part of our values. I'll go ahead and jump ahead a little bit, but some of those, prayer is one of our values that we're going to be focusing on. I think I said it before. I did. I know I started with this. Oh, that was bad. Multi-generational. We don't want to be just a church of just young people or just old people. We want to be a multi-generational church. And then another value is that one right there, that the devil attacks, the enemy will attack. Prayer is one of our values. So we are working right now on putting together a mission statement. It'll be short and succinct. I mean, we know where it's going to be going to. We want people to come to Christ. We want people that know Christ to grow. Something um, uh, catchy along those lines. These values, though, will be developing over the upcoming months. I haven't asked permission yet from the adult teachers, but I'd like to spend some time in all the ABF groups and just get feedback from you as far as what do you think should be values in our church. Um, these are three that I feel very strongly about, so I think they're going to make the cut. But if we have six or nine values, then we have those in place, and then everything that we do with ideas should point us to those values. Okay, so if it's prayer, what are we doing to help us be being a praying church? Or if it's an evangelistic effort, what are we doing here? And um, so the ideas are going to drive those. But we had it backwards a little bit. I had it backwards a little bit. But um, the leadership's been very, very helpful with that. So when we look at all of this, uh, I'll get my visual aids out. Prayer has to be over all of this. Everything that we do, prayer need, it needs to be bathed in prayer. And that's not just something to say lightly. Let me tell you where I've been. I've sat in my office and I've looked at these ideas and I've been going over this and it's just hit me. I said, we've got to have people praying about this stuff. Then I sat talking about one of these ideas with a group of people and we were going over all the different things that, that could go wrong and what's going to make it work. And this other person shouted out. They just said it. They said, we've got to get people praying about this stuff. Prayer is going to be a driving force behind all that we do. And with these ideas, we want to bathe these in prayer. I understand the tension of a multi-generational church um, and we've talked in, in leadership about we're not a balanced church right now. We don't have as many families in their 20s and 30s as we do in their 50s and 60s. And we want to be a balanced church. And so the tension might come up, well, does that mean that somebody's going to get left behind? We're only going to focus on um, younger families or the ones that we don't have. Or if we get too, you know, flip-flop this way, what are we going to do? And I... I need to let you know that for the mature Christians that we have in the, in the church, you have an extremely important role in all of this. There's nobody getting left behind. As we work together, 
and I know I've got I've got family that's here and they've heard me say years ago and they've repeated it back to me. We want to have our kids in a church where there's grandparents in the church, where there's all these generations, and that's hard to do. But what we can do is we can pull in things um, that the mature Christians are going to be most helpful with. First of all, continue serving. Most of the mature Christians that we have in the church are serving in some role already. And if that were to go away, that would be detrimental uh, to what we have here. So keep on serving. But then it's my experience that most people who are mature Christians have learned to pray. They just have. Sometimes out of necessity, right? I just didn't have a choice. I had to call upon God. I had to pray. And so keep on serving, but then praying, and then mentoring. Um, Some of you realize that us in our 40s have no clue what we're doing in certain areas, and we need somebody in their 50s and 60s to help us out. Um, We need mentors. One area that's going to be a big pull to these families is in the area of marriage. Uh, Marriage is a struggle for most and probably all married couples. I'll share a story with you that was a real encouragement to me. I shared this with somebody else recently. I won't tell you any names. But there's a couple in the church here that I consider to be kind of like a model couple. They are such a wonderful married couple. And if Tina and I could grow to be like them, that I would count that to be success. And as I was talking to the woman one time and just sharing a lot of this, she just said, boy, early on, I wasn't sure if we were going to make it. Blew me away. I couldn't believe that. How could that be? And the, re- the thing is, is people who have been down the road need to just be encouraging, need to encourage the people that are a generation behind you, 10 years younger, 20 years younger. There is a mentoring process uh, that can be such a help. And so continue serving, mentoring, praying, and giving. Um, it's really not a secret that probably the majority of the giving in churches comes from an older generation. They have just learned that God has blessed them and they're not going to take it with them. So they're going to give in that way. But I just want to encourage you to pray for the leadership. When we talk about mission, hopefully by the fall we'll be rolling out a mission statement. We talk about values. I need to get input from everybody um, who cares um, here at Calvary about those. And then once we have those in place, we can get these ideas flowing. Uh, Brian did a great job in our last board meeting just summing up mission, uh, values, and vision. Vision, And this isn't, this isn't your notes, but it's just a little bit of a summary so you to clarify a bit. The mission statement communicates the purpose of the organization. So why is Calvary here? Uh, the value statement reflects the organization's core principles. So that's what I was trying to say earlier. And then the vision provides the insight into what the company hopes to achieve or to become in the future. Those are the things. And so we can get the ideas going. And then I want to uh, throw one idea out Right, right away for those of you who are mature Christians who have learned to pray. And I've got another visual aid for you. When we talk through these ideas, there's a question that you can ask when it comes to evangelism that almost... I've never known anybody that's answered no. If you are talking to somebody and you don't know if they know Christ or whatever it might be, you can ask the question, can I, can I pray for you or can I pray for your uh, daughter? And 
I, my experience is 100% of the time they will say, absolutely, you can pray for that. I think it would be a wonderful blessing for us. We have so many opportunities to touch young families. Um, I stood in the hallway of one of our, and talked to one of our preschool parents for about 15 minutes this past week. And she was just telling me how much her child is learning in the preschool and what a blessing it was. And I was inviting them, are you going to be in church on Easter? If you're not going to be somewhere, we'd love for you to come here. I think that if we are a praying church and to, and to make all of this work, all the generations working together, um, these prayer, evangelism, multi-generational, I just love this idea of having, these are the children that are, that are in our church currently, and there, there's several that are not on here necessarily, but some of your uh, family members are on here. And I just love the idea of us being intentional about prayer and about evangelism and about multi-generational and asking those prayer people that we have if they'd be willing to pray. And in my mind, here's what it looks like. When little Daniel B. gets baptized in a few years, some who have taken this challenge on to be praying people would come up and would say, I want to let you know I've been praying for you to come to Christ for six years now. And today I saw you get baptized. And that was, that was how you told the whole church. And I'm praising God with you now. Can you imagine if we incorporate prayer and evangelism, all the generations, and praying through these young people right here? This side over here, these are, these are young people that have just started coming in the past three months to Calvary. Brand new to us here. And the Lord's given us that, that blessing, but we want to not take it lightly. And so I'm going to ask um, many who, um, are, who, who have learned the value of prayer if they'd be a part of that. We don't, I didn't get permission from any of those parents to put that, so I didn't put the full names down. Um, I don't think I'm going to get any, any kickback on us praying uh, for the young people. When we look at these things, um, we're going to need some time to do this. I have had probably 30% of my time given to this. But the Lord laid it on my heart. Uh, when I came to Calvary as the pastor, I don't think the church needed a big visionary. I don't think so. I think they needed somebody that was going to put salve on wounds, build trust in the name of a pastor. Um, church, you know, had been through a, a, a rough season. And many of you are familiar with that. But for myself... To be a good steward as the pastor, I firmly believe that I have to grow in this area. And so I covet your prayers. I covet the, the leadership as we work together and are able to not only have ideas, but have um, you know, the funding for ideas, but have them based on the right thing. And I think that clearly God is going to bless as we do this. I would like to incorporate um, prayer services um, on a pretty regular basis, not every uh, week um, as far as praying through some of these things. But I'm telling you, it, it just hit me in the face. We've got to have people praying. And clearly some of these brainstorming uh, ideas, we don't you know, need to have to, you're gonna, we're going to have everybody praying all over the place about that. But once we land on what we're going to do and once we start moving forward, I'd be horrified if it succeeded without prayer, if we didn't have that going on. And so we have had some seasons of prayer services in the past, 
and uh, they won't be like a traditional prayer meeting, but they will be praying through. The first one I have scheduled for leadership and any praying person that will be here will be May 15th, which is just five days before that evangelistic effort. Um, we have a few holidays coming up on Sundays, and um, I have a conflict on another one, but I'm probably going to call an impromptu one another point in May. And, uh, but I want to invite you now to be part of those. Uh, we're going to be spending Sunday nights talking about vision, talking about prayer. We won't meet every time, but that'll take the place of Bible Knowledge Hour, which is a change I recognize. Um, but we really want uh, to be able to give the proper amount of time to this and, um, and even talks. Our chairman of our deacons mentioned this to me yesterday. We were talking through some of these things, and we were talking about if think, what if something fails? Which, just to be fair with and honest with you, I've always been afraid of that. I'm afraid of, to lose credibility with the people of the church if I try something and it fails. It scares me. Uh, and a good answer to that is if we try something and it doesn't work, so what? And I'm not saying that lightly. I mean, we want it to work. We need the prayer. We want it to go. But the alternative is we give in to the enemy and we don't do anything. We just don't do an evangelistic effort. We just quit on trying to, all, all these different things that we do. Because when we try something, there'll be all kinds of things going against it. But we need to be dedicated to it, be persistent, and be creative, just like God. Because in this chess match that we're in with the devil right now, if we're doing something that's working and being effective, he's going to do something to dump some cold water on it. That's what he's going to do. And so we need to uh, be persistent. And I want to let you guys know everybody, everybody has a part in this. And um, the leadership is excited, and I am excited. And um, I just wanted to invite you to very much be a part of what's going to happen at Calvary. I don't think it's going to be, I don't think it's going to be this, and then this, and then this. I think, I think it's going to be just a steady growth as people see their need for a church. I believe that people do want to go to church. I believe it. I think that people have in their mind, no, I've been meaning to get back to church. No, I meant to go back to that. I believe that people want to share their faith or see folks saved. I asked Nathan this past week if I could have 10 minutes to talk to the teens, and he was good enough to give it to me. Because with the teenagers and this outreach event, if it's just Pastor Nathan's idea or just my idea or some, you know, boring grown-up, uh, that's probably not going to do very much. And so we have to get buy-in is what we have to get. And so I talked with them and I shared with them this list of stories that I have. I'm not sure if anybody remembers uh, when we shut down for COVID and WMPC. Every, every pastor was wondering what to do when we couldn't meet together. And I had the blessing of having a radio station, and I went down there, and I read testimonies. I read several of your testimonies over the air at about 5.05, 5.07 in the afternoon. Um, I thought it was going to be about three weeks, so I thought 15 would be enough. Oh, boy, I had to call everybody I know to get their salvation testimony. I held this book up. I have all those, by the way, in my office. I held this book up, and I said, everybody has a story of when they came to Jesus Christ. Some of you have a story. One of the young ladies had just gotten saved in the past several weeks, and I called her by name, and I said, you, you just, you just came to Christ. I believe that if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then you genuinely want your friends to be saved. You genuinely want that. 
but it can be hard to talk about our faith. Can I get a witness? You know, hard to talk about your faith with people. So what can we do? And so, you know, we're going to keep them up all night and and uh, give them pizza and play dodgeball and play some games. And we're going to clearly present the gospel of Jesus Christ. But we have to get buy-in from that group. And I was so blessed afterwards. My daughter was in there. And after I left, she said there was one of the girls and she was doing handwritten invitations to give out to her friends for this. Things like that is what we need to continue with. Creativity. Trusting in God and the whole church together. And it's hard too. After the ABF hour, every week I stand at the end of the hallway just to greet people, anybody that wants to talk. And I watch as the four-year-old runs by as fast as he can, turns the corner, and the 82-year-old is standing there barely balancing in the hallway. And I think, man, can we make this work? Yes, we can. Yes, we can. We need to not give up. It's exciting days that are ahead for Calvary. I've never been more excited about what God's going to do. We're trusting him. We don't want him to be um, outside of anything that we're doing. But also, we need to keep pushing and keep working, keep being creative and uh, working on this. Thank you in advance for your help as we develop these. Feel free to throw me ideas. Some of you do that. Some of you are very good at throwing me ideas a lot. Um, That's fine. And probably most ideas we won't do. But um, even this morning, we were trying, what can we do to show the families we care? And we had that children's lesson. I hope that was a blessing to the kids and also to the parents. And um, I, saw them, I saw somebody swinging their palm branch at somebody else. But hey, you know, negative stuff's going to happen. And I appreciate your prayers for me because this is not my gift to be a visionary and to, and to step out like this. But we are doing our best and then we are trusting God for the rest throughout this. All right, that's all I got for you. And we're live on the radio, so we're not going to take any questions. But we'll go ahead and cut off and let Rudy play some music there. I want to thank you for coming in, and then we can stick around and talk. I don't have a coffee cart tonight. Sorry about that. And so we could have had that. And so, But thank you for being here, and thank you for your prayers as Calvary moves forward.